I'm 11 years old and my heart's beating fast. I'm sitting in this big padded chair looking at myself in the mirror thinking, yes, but I'm trying to sit still so I don't give away how excited I am. My dad's Jamaican and my mom's Welsh and there was never any discussion about my dad doing my hair. That was my mom's job, but she had no idea what to do with it. She had to teach herself and up until this point that meant every few days I'd sit between her knees while she'd attack my hair and scalp with a brush. She'd pull it into a ponytail on top of my head and braid it to minimize the knots and tangles that would take a beating during the next brushing. Now this style was more grown up than the two puffs I had as a kid. But it wasn't like the other kids at school who turned up each day with a different hairstyle. Their hair would blow freely in the breeze and after gym classes, they'd crowd around a mirror and gently brush their hair. None of this was an option for me. Until now. I'm sitting in front of the hairdresser my mom and Nan went to for their perms because she had suggested we straighten my hair. She found this product a relaxer called Cream of Nature. The advertising on the box showed these sophisticated women with straight, shiny hair that looks like it would blow in the breeze. And I think, wow, I'm going to look at least 16. She carefully applies the white cream in the tub with gloved fingers. It's cool, but begins to warm as she combs it through. And then she sets a timer and says, let me know if you need anything, as she starts working on my mom. A few minutes later, my scalp starts burning, but I don't say anything because I know the longer I leave it on, the straighter my hair will be. I'm fidgeting in my chair now, hoping to distract myself from noticing the full-on throbbing that's happening on my head. Eventually, I say, it burns a bit, and she rushes me to the sink to wash it out. Then she gets to work quickly blow-drying it straight, cutting it into a bob, and curling the ends under. Now, I look amazing. I look like a grown-up. I get to wear my hair down. Later, when we're home watching TV in our family room, I keep sneaking away to look at my reflection in the glass cabinets in the living room. Nothing can get me down now. Not even the scabs I discover later on my scalp caused by the chemical burns from the relaxer. Then it's time to wash it. It's definitely easier than it's ever been, but I'm left with these limp, wavy curls and I'm not as skilled as my mom's hairdresser in making it straight. So now I've got a poofy, sad bob. A few years later, I'm in high school, walking down the hall after my last class of the day. I've stopped using a relaxer, so now I have big curly hair. Sometimes it takes the shape of a triangle. Sometimes it's a lion's mane, but I love it. I'm about to walk home when a group of five kids walks by, the bad boys and the main one looks at me. He yells, you've got some badass hair. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. As I keep walking away, I feel like I'm floating on my way home. But the next day, one of his friends says, I bet a penny could get lost in her hair. So now, instead of feeling good around them, I'm guarding my hair from pennies and people who want to touch my hair and put their hands in it. High school ends, and when I get to university, I cut it all off. I love my short hair. Now it's truly wash and go, and I feel free. 
Long gone are the days of blow drying it straight, and I don't need a towel around my shoulders for hours catching drips while I let it air dry. I do have to wash it every day because one side gets flattened while I sleep, or it gets pushed up into a sort of odd mini faux hawk, but I feel fierce. And everyone else had an opinion. My mom tells me it's so cute. And a crush stomps on my heart when he tells me I only go out with women with good hair that's long. Not only does everyone have an opinion, everybody continues to think that it's their pet. People grab it, pat it, play with it, and still ask me, can I touch it? While I'm in class, in the cafeteria, even at a concert. And it doesn't end. A year into my corporate job, I'm standing at the entrance of a gray cubicle feeling awkward. I'm trying to check on an order with the new head of accounting and she can't take her eyes off my hair. I see her hands reaching out towards me before she asks, can I touch it? In that moment, I know I need something from her. So I bend down and let her sink her fingers into my hair and I try to stretch a smile across my face as she looks over to the woman at the neighboring desk and yells, wow, it's so much softer than it looks. Even when people aren't talking about it or touching it or saying, oh, that's an interesting thing you've done with it, I got the impression that my hair wasn't considered professional. And my response was to shrink and hide. I didn't want any more attention. Instead of thinking who I could be, I was obsessing about who I'm expected to be. I'd make sure I was polite, smile even when I didn't want to, and there was no way I was going to offer a different opinion when everyone else in the room was nodding their head in agreement. Eventually, I'm fed up. So I decide no more chemicals, no more dyes. I'm going to grow my hair out and let it be natural. But I still need it cut. I walk into salons who take one look at me and say, we don't cut your hair, it's too curly. I do find curly hair experts who tell me what to do, but when I don't get the results they promised, it's my fault. Over and over again, I feel embarrassed and disrespected. Here I am thinking I'm making an empowered decision, but everyone is making me feel bad about the way my hair grows out of my head. I turn to YouTube for comfort and discover the curly girl method that seems to be all about celebrating all different types of curls. I start Googling people who are familiar with this method and the products. One stands out, Sue, master stylist. She's 10 minutes away from my house and I think, let's try this one last time. Walking through the back door of this residential house, I'm greeted by a tall white woman with curly hair who smiles nervously and says, Come and sit down. I sit in her hairdressing chair and wait for Sue to tell me what to do. But instead, she starts asking me things. What products do you use? How often do you wash and style your hair? Do you ever use heat to dry it? Have you ever tried this technique or this one? This has never happened before. As I'm answering, she starts offering suggestions. And it's very clear that she's not following instructions from the back of a bottle or a manual. She's sharing with me what she's noticed from using these products on herself and her clients. Not only does she seem to know more than my previous hairdressers, she's taking an actual interest in me and my hair. 
She cuts and styles my hair and says, if you're not happy with the cut, just pop in. You don't need an appointment and I'll fix it. I left feeling pretty good. Each time I'd return, she'd ask me more questions and give me even more specialized advice. And after a while, my hair started looking incredible. I began carrying Sue's business cards around because strangers would stop and ask me, what are you using it? And I'd insist, you need to go and see Sue. And it wasn't just my hair that was changing. I was changing. At this point, I was teaching yoga and before I'd teach what I thought people wanted, but my classes were never full. Now I started experimenting. Some people couldn't stand it and they stopped coming to my class, but others became obsessed. It got to a point where classes would sell out in 15 minutes. People wanted to know when to sit in front of their computers with their credit card so they could sign up. A couple of students even asked for my schedule months in advance so they could plan their vacations around my classes. All the while, I keep going back to Sue. One day she greets me with, I went to this course and met this woman, Tanya, who's developing her own curly hair product line. I'm so excited to try it out on you. At this point, there's no question that I trust Sue. So we start using it. And now she's asking me even more questions because she wants to send Tanya feedback. Sue wants to know how I use the products, what were the results, and she's brainstorming what could be done differently. Sometimes Tanya tweaks the formulas and we start the whole process all over again. Throughout all of these appointments, we're chatting and getting to know one another. Sue tells me about some health issues she's having and eventually she needs to have surgery to explore what's going on. She closes her salon so she has time to heal after surgery, but typical Sue lets me know that we can pop in at prearranged times to get products. And one time when I do, she tells me that the salon needs to be shut for a little while longer because she has cancer. Of course I say, your health is more important. I'm worried about her. Soon after, Tanya begins to get in touch because Sue doesn't always have the energy to text everybody. One afternoon, I pop in again to see Sue because Tanya had sent a sample for me to try. And when I see her, I'm shocked. Sue looks exhausted. She's lost her hair, so she's wearing a purple cap. Her face is pale and she has dark circles under her eyes. I could tell that standing takes a lot of effort, and yet she greets me with a smile. Part of me wants to leave quickly, but I don't want to make her feel bad or like I don't want to see her. She tells me, Tanya changed the formula of the shampoo again, and she sent you a liter bottle. Now this is usually about $100, so I'm surprised to now hand over that amount for something I didn't ask for. And that's when Sue says, don't worry, it's free. I can't believe it. Even at this point, she's still thinking about me and thinking about my hair. We hug goodbye and I wish her luck on hearing back from her new oncologist. A couple of days after that, I get a message from Tanya. Sue's broken her hip and she's in the hospital. A few weeks later, I'm getting out of the car to take my son to school when I get another text from Tanya saying, Sue's in a rehab hospital because of her hip, and she's coming out. I'm so excited. Finally, some good news for Sue. I stuff my phone in my pocket. But when I get back to the car, I look at it again. 
my throat gets tight and my breath becomes shallow because I misread the text. It says, Sue's in a rehab hospital and she's not coming out. I burst into tears. I'm crying so hard and it's not safe for me to drive and I know I'm going to be late for my next appointment, but I don't care. I'm not crying because I'm worried that I don't have anyone to cut my hair. I'm crying because this is Sue. She's cared so much about me and I'm going to lose her. A couple of months before, when Tanya started messaging me, she said, I feel like I know you and your hair so well because Sue's told me so much about you. And with that, I understood that what Sue has given me is not just hair that I love, but Sue was the one who helped me figure out that there's nothing wrong with me and nothing wrong with my hair. It's just different. And now that I understand that, it makes me feel powerful. Because for the first time, I finally understand, yes, I do have some badass hair. Thank you.